Coming up on this episode of Open for Business, marketing missteps that could be fatal. Another search engine, this time from Facebook. CBS no longer a Tiffany of journalism and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, anypreneurs, YB1. All that and more next on open uh, episode 64 of Open for Business. This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. OnTheHorn.com. Bandwidth for On The Horn is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. You can retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive. All from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information about Amazon S3 storage, visit aws.amazon.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Parker. I'm joined today by Tommy Russo, co-owner of LNR Productions, who doesn't know what show number this is. Uh, full-service advertising agency, audio-video production house, LNRProductions.com. Hello, Tom. Hey, Brian. How are you this evening? Just lovely. Just lovely. Are you keeping warm in the really cold weather? I'm doing my darndest. It's freezing up here. It is. Um, Ken Cook is also joining us. Acclaimed author, speaker, Fortune 500 consultant, and contributor to Inc. Magazine. Now running Peer-to-Peer Advisors. Check him out at peer-to-peeradvisors.com. Do you have a Twitter address yet for Peer-to-Peer Advisors? I do not. How are you? I'm good. I'm thinking that would be a change cool the subject thing. quick. <laughs> Transition, baby. I think that might be left. cool. Come on, peer to peer. I like what I mean. Face or uh, Twitter is all about connecting. That might be interesting for you. Mm, need to think about that one. All right. Well, it's good to have you all here. We are open for business. The podcast that explores all things business, entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service, and making a few bucks for yourself. The idea, the overall premise is how to get new clients. And keep old ones or customers. Do you like clients or customers, or are they really different terms? What do you guys like? I think depend on the nature of the business. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Clients on B two B, customers on consumer. Oh, interesting. Because you know, like like accounting firms have clients. Yes, they don't have customers. Correct. But really, it's such a commodity almost now. Accounting. Yeah. Taxes. Tax, you know, tax filing. I get is really what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's a commodity. Returns are are a commodity. Yes. Starting to think about that ugly, ugly thing. Boy, me too. Your end. Hate it. Me too. <laughs> that brings up another point that we're going to an all-cash business here at <laughs> Horn, Advertising for dollars. <laughs> we're we're going to appeal to our six loyal listeners and do a show on how to turn every business into an all-cash business. Uh, that, you know what? That would be, that would that be, be cool. A, that would be a good show. That might be a good blog post. That would be fun. Um... But speaking of uh, the show, we have to entertain those far more than six people. All right. All um, seven of them. Then. <laughs> nine circles of marketing hell. This is, again, from your favorite website, HubSpot. Um, stuff you need to know. This is actually really funny. We, I, I, I am wondering if we can fair use this little guy and actually put up the little graphic that they had. Because the story is really not. The, the article is really just an, a setup for this big graphic that they have. Yeah. Yep. Which seems to me, when did they do this anyway? They did this January 17th, so just recently, it's very Halloween-y. Yeah, I got that me. same you, impression. You know, like you would think they would kind of save this sort of thing, but... Mm. The um, emphasis on weenie. Oh, you found it. Why did, what did you like about it, Tom? Um, well, I just, I thought it would be a nice... You know, part of our hot potato section of the of the show, just because you know we're all about marketing, keeping, getting, maintaining customers, 
And if your marketing is not allowing you to be able to do that in one form or another, then it's time to take a look at your marketing. Well, we can go through each one of them. Uh, let me just read down the whole list just so the listeners please do can uh, can get it. Uh, number one, and I'm not surely sure if this is like the worst one is number one and the worst one is number nine. It's confusing how it's done. But the but the the first one is creating ugly content, then being boring. Number three, not monitoring social media. Four, bad automation. Five, bad targeting. Six, misleading messages. Seven, copyright infringement. Eight, email spamming. And number nine, interruptive marketing. Interesting, that last one. Mm. But uh, creating ugly content, I think, is, I think that is probably the number one sin of uh, radio. Really? People, I think, make really, really, really bad radio commercials like hire their like best friend or their buddy or their aunt or their nephew or whatever to do the voiceover who's not a professional and yeah. it just is ugly. Much of this can be seen in say car commercials where like the family that owns the dealership yep. doesn't want to have something professionally produced so they get up there with their little, you know, Canon things <laughs> and they make some kind of car commercial like what you can you tell they shot thinking? it last weekend cuz the snow's on the ground are, and they're standing there shivering. But are you talking radio or are you talking TV cuz I'm hearing and seeing visuals in my head when yeah. you describe what you're discussing. Kind of I am I'm more focused on on the radio cuz that's my discipline. You're sort of you have both disciplines but well, what do um, you define as ugly? What Define ugly for me. Tommy, you define it, because that's your world. Uh, you know something? I, I would define Bob's Discount Furniture. I hope you're not looking for them to be a sponsor anytime soon, Ron. But um, their commercials as ugly. But in their ugliness, there is a level of effectiveness that is overwhelming. So what is ugly to one and ineffective to one could be, you know, spot on for another. And that's more sort of purposefully homespun, sort of. No, no doubt about it. So that, that's a conscious one of your best non-answer answers I've ever heard. Thank you. That was really good, <laughs> Lordy. But what are you going to do about the deficit? Well, I think we need to focus on children. Yes, <laughs> Brian, give me a synonym for ugly. Um, well, let me give you an example of of what would be ugly. So th they have this, in radio, we have this thing called the announcer's test, which is dates back to the 1920s. And it's supposed to be like how someone reads it. Okay. All right. So ugly would be, well, good would or adequate. I'm not going to tap myself on the back. But would be this. Penelope Chumley raised her azure eyes from the crab scenario. She meandered among the congeries of her memoirs. There was the kinetic Algeron, a caloric artificer of icons and triptychs who wanted to write a trilogy. So, that's adequate. A bad commercial would be, Penelope Chumley raised her azure eyes from the crab scenario. She meandered among the congeries of her memoirs. There was the kinetic Algeron, a caloric artificer of icons and triptychs. Now, I'm not really changing my voice too much. I'm kind of speaking a little more naturally. Oh, dramatic change. But that's the difference between what a, you know, a, a normal person is going to say, Penelope Chumley raised her azure eyes from the crab scenario. This is my normal speaking voice. I'm not doing anything to my voice. I talk like this all the time. But when I'm reading something for broadcast, this would be really weird. Well, it's funny because I, I look at circle... 
Sorry. Fatal flaw number one, creating ugly content, and number right. two, being boring. To me, they are synonymous. I think if content is boring, it's ugly. The, pur- the purpose of marketing is to uh, appeal to, attract, interrupt, and create, interrupt in a positive way and create interest. So if you're boring, which your second delivery voice was boring, your first delivery voice a little less boring, Mostly because the content was boring. Poor Penelope. Not, yeah, not not the delivery, but I, I frankly didn't care about Penelope's azure eyes. See, but I think that ugly can also be um, like something that's trying not to be boring and goes like way to the extreme. And like you look at it and you say, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I'm not going to label this boring, manic, crazy, uh you know, all over the place. All right, good I, point. I, you know, I, I could see that, but that wouldn't be necessarily boring. Sure might be ugly. That's my thought. Well, let's go back to Bob's. Do you find their commercials to be ugly and boring, Ken? I find Bob's commercials to be irritating. Okay. They irritate me. So it okay. doesn't work its way to ugly and boring. It's ir- You can't get past the irritation factor. Yeah, I, I don't have a positive attribute to give to his commercials so you would likely refer to someone to bob's discount furniture who uh one uh look if you don't have a lot of money to spend i don't know go down to that bob's guy and see what he has yeah i would refer that would somebody be sort of... to bob's discount furniture if they're on a budget yeah and with a disclaimer ignore the commercials he's got C plus B minus merchandise at very discounted prices. Okay. Let, let me ask you a question to both of you. Have either one of you ever crossed the threshold of the Bob's store? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And is that your experience once you've been in there? I even bought a chair from Bob's. Did you? Okay. I'm into my third year with it and it's fraying around the edges. It doesn't sit well anymore. Uh, I mean, it, it's anything that you buy at a discount. If you, it, it, the quality is not there. I, I would say the store itself reminds me of lipstick on a pig. <laughs> you know, they try real hard to make it very nice and elegant, and they even yeah. put you know like fountains yeah, inside some of the stuff. Yeah, the fountains. And that's you know what? Good. I'm I'm glad you're trying. He, here's the end result. My experience has been the same as yours. I've bought I don't know a handful of things. I don't, I don't really know. I know I bought a chair and maybe yeah. some couches or whatever. Um, yeah, not the best quality. No. No, it's not the I, worst know, in the world. But it's, it's not the not worst. The best. It's fine. Yeah, it's just fine. It's it, not. You know, you're not going to be handing this down to your kids. When you are ready to get rid of it, you're going to put it in the dumpster. You walk to Walmart. You don't expect the highest quality merchandise. Whether it's, uh, you can get some brand names in there at good prices. But if you went in to buy a golf shirt at Walmart and spent twelve ninety nine, it's not the best looking shirt. It doesn't fit the best, but. You can go out and play the local Muni in it and do just fine. Yeah. Functional. Yeah. There you go. That's what it is. It's functional at a, at a fair price. A yeah. fair price. He doesn't, I mean, it's not really that discounted. I mean, yeah, it's I not like you so walk either. in there with like 200 bucks and you're golden, yeah. but a fair price. And I, I think the thing about this article on the nine circles of marketing hell, it's, it's basic stuff. It really is get your message right, get your audience targeted well engage them don't interrupt them 
Hey, do you have a... Um... But it's amazing to me, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Brian, but I will anyway. It's amazing to me, even though it is basic, how many people cross the line. And, you know, you talked about mm-hmm. radio, we talked about TV, but another industry that is abused and used time in and time out is the billboard industry. Talk yeah. about uh, ugly presentations oh, on, gosh, on, yeah. on the billboards. Uh, highway Miss- billboards? What's that? Hi, yeah, yeah, most yeah. mostly high, but even even secondary road billboards. Okay. I mean, the, the the industry itself says approximately seven words. You shouldn't exceed seven words before you are absolutely going to lose, yep. you know, the opportunity to communicate anything to people that are driving by. And that yeah. rule alone is broken yeah. probably seventy five percent of the time. And you know what? Like the I, the dream of a marketer, I think, is to put together a campaign that is like wonderfully simple, direct to the point. Bam. Yep. Highway billboard signs is a great medium for that. Um, I don't know. I, I I have to imagine it's the owners of the business getting involved in the creative process where they're no not letting the professionals do it. Because no I have to imagine those guys who sell those things and their creative departments, they are dying to do good ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think know, the best three words that, that that's that's the most you should probably do. Yep. The, the best aspiration a marketer can hope for in distilling the message is to get it down to one word. Yeah. If you can get one yeah. word, like the word search. Yeah. Google. Well, it, uh, one of my favorites was um, you know, the Mama Bell company before it was, you know, chopped up into a million different things. Their highway billboard sign said one thing, dial tone. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. I yeah. love it. I know what that is. I get it. Yep. It's real. I know I love who it. you are. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. That's our mission statement. Mm-hmm. Dial tone. It's great. Very exacting. Let's go into another one. Uh, not monitoring social media. Ken, do you have a, um, does peer to peer advisors have a Twitter handle? No. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. These no. are actually really funny because not no. only do they say about not, you know, not monitoring social media is one of the circles of hell of, of marketing, but then they have what your punishment can be. Um, and your punishment for not monitoring social media is you have to personally respond to every angry customer complaint that comes through social media for every brand in the entire world forever. <laughs> That's your punishment. I have not heard one positive or negative on Twitter with regard to peer-to-peer. That's because you're not looking? Mm, no, I, I have alert system set up to let me know. Oh, he's an alert system. So you're monitoring social media that you don't use. Uh, correct. Interesting. What huh. is the alert system that you use? That's interesting. Uh, Google Alerts. Oh, Google Alerts will say, hey, do you want us to monitor Twitter for you? Google Alerts will tell me when the name peer-to-peer advisors or a variation of it comes up any time online. That's cool. I well, like that. I used to do that for um, keeping track of news, but then it's just sort of. I was getting too many news articles because yeah. everybody and their brother is writing a blog these days. Yes, they are. So it's like, all right, this has become less helpful. Um, bad automation. What did you think of this topic? That one, that one, a little bit confused me because I wasn't quite sure exactly what it was that they were saying. What What is bad automation? So every time a message is sent automatically or sent automatically to the wrong recipient via email or social media or mobile devices or whatever. Uh, your punishment will be Lou Baker's Mambo Number no. Five will play <laughs> while someone flicks you in the ear. Yeah, I think that's unfair. I thought Baker did a good job with that song. But would you want to hear it over? No, not over and over. No. Once, once is enough. It's really one of those. 
oops moments where you're not paying attention. I, I and do, I've done it. I did it just the other day. I can't I can't remember. I think I was on Google Plus hanging out with some folks. But uh but I yeah, it, you know, it was one of those little chat things and I just I said one thing to another person. I was like, "No, no, no. That's supposed to go over here." Mm-hmm. Then you got to go back and apologize. Sorry, that wasn't meant for you. So I'm that would be that would be their definition of bad automation yeah, or but, well, I don't know if that's their definition, but bad automation is most often traced back to human error. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, the one example, I opened up a Feedblitz account so I could consolidate push feeds of blog entries and other things that I do. And the first time around, I forgot to set the settings on delivery. So the damn thing's going out, same notification, same message on a daily basis, until by the third day, I started getting a whole bunch of emails saying, enough, enough, enough. And then I went in and switched it. Got it. So, human error. Right. There you go. So, uh, that would be an example of bad automation. automation run amok. Got it. Bad targeting. I see this constantly, uh, especially when, like, well, they say it's not really bad targeting. But let's just say female products during the Super Bowl. Really? You know? <laughs> really? All, all you're doing is pissing off every guy that that's watching that. There's a lot of women. Though, I know. Are... There's a lot of women that watch this Super Bowl. What? Yeah, great. You know what? More men are watching the Super Bowl, and we don't want to see those kind of things. Now, so. I, had, I had a client in my office today that, to me, would be the definition of bad targeting last year. And mind you, this is a local business, and I think it really connects with those that are tuning in and watching us this evening. Um, he spent approximately $30,000. On, on marketing last year and received 12 calls that totaled $30,000 and ended up closing two pieces of business now, out of that. This wasn't with you in Illinois. No, this was before he came to us. Okay. And he he was a poster child for bad targeting. Uh, his target is, you know, uh, say anywhere from 200,000 plus household incomes he wants to get to women that are 35 to 45 years old. Most of them are stay-at-home moms that are taking the yoga class and maybe have an at-home business that mm-hmm. they're occupying you know, 20% of their time. But these are affluent homes. And he was advertising in Direct Advantage and the Clipper Coupon Magazine. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. is right. But, you know, it was a client that was doing it on his own, somewhat run amok, and is coming back and saying, how come I didn't get any results? And it was the best client in the world, though, because he knows who his target is. The worst one is bad targeting when you don't know who you want to target. Amen. Amen. Just sort of the blasting or not targeting. I guess it's really what yeah. that would be. But to me, that was a definition of, you know, simply bad targeting. There, there it is. And and there's lots and lots of people out there that are just, you know, as a, and remember Chris Lytle, Brian? He was a radio uh, sales trainer. Uh, it was around for a long time, especially in the 80s and the early 90s. So you, you may not remember him. But he had a phrase that I absolutely loved, and that was, don't spray and pray. Exactly. And and that's what a lot of people do. They spray their advertising dollars around and pray that something is going to work. You know, what's always curious to me is you talk to a lot of small business owners and you ask them, in a good year, how many new clients do you need? Average sale, assuming whatever your average sale dollar is. In a professional services firm, 
most of them will probably say anywhere between four and ten makes it a good year. Mm-hmm. And you sit and you think about that. That's not a lot of bigger audience to target. If your message is strong and you have a good value and you need eight new clients a year, heck, all you need to do is identify probably somewhere between 40 and 60 prospects. And you should be able to close the deals. Hmm. And that would be just hmm. the opposite of spraying and praying. That's, exactly. That's laser beam marketing. That has to be. And you just ignore everybody else and you basically become a one-to-one marketer. I wonder if that's because they're afraid of, you know, when you do that sort of laser-like or sniper kind of thing, uh, marketing, if you miss, it's on you. Where if it's you spray and pray, oh, this marketing stuff doesn't work. These marketing, these advertising yeah. guys, I don't know what they're talking about. A lot of truth in that. I think it's, it could yeah. be about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Really good point. Yeah. Uh, misleading messages. Let me tell you about my misleading. I don't know why we're picking on car dealers. <laughs> but um, the but, guy who says, I just want to get you a car loan, which really should be what his phrase is. He actually says, I just want to get you a loan. But it sounds the way they say it, it's like A L O N E, like yeah. I just want to get you in the back oh. alone with you and me. And, and it's freaky. <laughs> That's like, just creepy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this guy, um, so here's the bad thing about misleading messages. I just want to get you alone. No, you don't just want to get me alone. You need me to get alone. You want the bad credit person so you can gouge them like crazy on interest it mm. is absolutely disgusting and immoral what these what that car dealer i think it's bobs of milford <laughs> does and, and i don't even care if he sues us like bring it on dude because you are a crook like you are taking from people who absolutely can afford it the least and, wow. and i really don't like that but that's so that that's a great example of a misleading message. I don't know what other misleading messages. Are there? You know, I would do. I'm going to throw my two cents in on that. And I agree that there's a percentage of the individuals that are being targeted that are being used and abused. But in this day and age of people that have gone through a serious divorce, got recently laid off, dual household incomes where one of the people was laid off and their credit has been you know, impoverished because mm-hmm. of circumstances beyond their control. Sometimes guys like Bob's and other places similar to that serve a societal purpose, yes. as far as I'm concerned. I agree, but they don't need to uh, do 25% car loans. Right. Like, really? All right. You know what? The average rate is, is probably somewhere in like 5 to 6%. Okay, charge them 10 that way you, you, you cover your liability, you know, if you have a, a bad debt on your hand. 25%. It's like, you know, I'm, you're not even taking a risk at that point. The guy pays one payment, you're home free. Someone uh, I know very well, I will not mention a name, just because uh, chose to buy a car and is paying uh, without any help, without any co-signing, blah, 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 blah. He's paying 28%. Tw- oh I mean, that's, that's criminal. That's criminal. You should tell me who this person is. I will give them the money for the car. <laughs> That, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is. I mean, when I found out, it was like, no, you've got to be kidding me. You'll n- you will never dig your way out from under that loan. That's ridiculous. It is. I mean, so so those that. kinds of sharks are out there, and yes, it is criminal. I could not agree with you more. 
but you have people that are, will do anything to get the loan. What about places like errands that, you know, they know that it's only rent to purchase. And by the time all is said and done, you'd be lucky if you're breaking away at 28% on buying yeah. that couch or that yeah. big screen TV. Oh, this is like, like the rent to own yeah. places. Big, exactly, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, I never understood how those actually stayed in business. Like, did the people not like get it after a little while? I can see the sort of allure of like, whoa, ho, ho, you know. 50-inch plasma TV in my house for 28 bucks a month. Yeah, okay, but it's 28 bucks a month for 30 years. You right, know, the rest of thing. your life. You know, so, <laughs> but like, you know, I can see like the initial thing, but haven't people gotten hip to that game yet? Or? It appears not because places like that are all over. With a 0% interest loan, <laughs> but then we jack up the MSRP by 30%. Like, oh, well, thanks mm. for the deal. Right. Um, copyright infringement number seven. Clearly, just don't do, you know, come up with original content. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually hard um, because we're bombarded with advertising messages. I will give people this. Sometimes it's hard to know if that idea that popped in your head, have I seen that before or did I just come up with that? I don't actually know. So I'll give you a little credit there. Uh, email spamming, I think pretty much, that. I mean, that's certainly not good to do, um, but uh, most of us have a Gmail or a Yahoo or some kind of filtering system yeah. that takes care of a lot of that. Um, I don't know. Do you guys get a lot of e email spam these days? I'm not. I mean, spam, I'm sure I get not nearly as much as I used to be. I still see more than I would prefer. Yeah. Uh, but it goes back to it, and I don't know if you read the book or you just inadvertently referenced it, The One-to-One -one Future. Oh, yeah. Okay. Peppers and Rogers. Absolutely. Yeah. Great great book, right? Yeah. It was a great book. Um I think in this day and age, and a lot of people, because they're moving so fast, don't take the time to ask permission. I'd like to add you to yeah. my email list. Opt in. Yes, exactly. Giving them the chance. And this way they have the right to be able to say yes or no. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. The last one I love is uh, interruptive marketing. Um, interruptive marketing is... Say you're watching television and it's a very lovely show and you're enjoying your show, and then the car commercial. I don't know why. There we go again with the car commercial. <laughs> then the car commercial comes on and it's like four times the volume of what the show is. That's supposed to change. That is. I, I mean, there are different rules there, but it's it's tough to enforce yeah, but that, that. But no, but they that's just sort of it. interruptive yeah. marketing. Or if you are, uh, what else? If you're walking down the street. And all of a sudden, it's uh, you know a bunch of guys come out and say, "Hey, can we tell you about our pamphlet with our really good you know uh, cruise ship that wants to take you on a great cruise for free, and all you have to do is listen to our uh, timeshare thing?" You know that would be interruptive marketing. Like, hey, oh, oh. Now for me, interruptive marketing is signing up for an online newsletter and not being given the option to say no to marketing pieces or promotion pieces that they want to send out because I, I sign up for some things from some people and boom I'm, i end up getting anywhere from one to five emails a week promoting some product or some service that they're offering yeah, in yeah. addition to the newsletter and that to me is interruptive and what i can understand is you could embed those in the content you should be able to. you know like yeah. i don't understand why but you know, all you're doing is hurting it hurting yourself because people are getting hip to it i agree that's what i think well that was kind of a fun discussion um facebook's graph search 
is up here. That took way longer than we had anticipated. But Facebook's graph search, have you played around with this yet? I have not. <clears throat> it's not. It has not rolled out to my account yet. It has rolled out to some people's account. Have you? I have not. So it hasn't rolled out here. But this is interesting that you can search sort of more casually as you would speak about uh, your contacts on Facebook. Which one of my friends likes Italian food and going for bike rides? You know, and then it will come up with a list. What's a little scary is that they can do that. You know what I mean? That's this. I, I, I just don't get this. I'm sorry. I don't get why anyone would want a search engine on Facebook for Facebook data only. Well, if you want to say, all right, you know what? I really, you know, I got a, a few hours over the weekend. I really want to go for a bike ride. Who should I invite for my bike ride? Instead of going through the, you know, 800 people or 800 friends that you have on Facebook, you can say, which one of my friends is, you know, lives near me and enjoys bike riding? You know, let me up. ask you, do you think that that was the motivation behind the grand poopas of Facebook? To no. say, no, I don't think so, too. They, I they're... think it was for guys to find chicks to date. That's what I think. <laughs> you think I'm right? I think that was for guys to find chicks to date. I, I can't even begin to comment on that, but... No, I think there's a, they're looking for ways to be able somewhere down the road to really monetize this. That's my sense. How? I, I don't get the model. I'm I'm not sure yet either, but I, it just doesn't. Unless they they they've run out of cool things to do, you think, know, in their research and development department. Think of it this way: you have competing search engines that give you access to global information. Everything that's out there is available to you. Right. Now you have a social network that is closed with privacy issues and limited amount of information shared on a person-by-person -person basis, varying degrees. Some, they'll tell the world about what they ate for breakfast. Others, they'll stop in once a week to see what's going on. And they won't tell anything about themselves. And all they're doing is putting a search engine capability on that base of information. Where's the value? Why? If I want to take a bike ride with somebody, I know who my friends are that ride bikes. If I don't, shame on me. If I want to find out what Italian restaurant to go to in the neighborhood, I know who to talk to. Yeah, I, I don't need Facebook to figure out what restaurant to eat at. I, I don't know. get it. I, you know, I it, know. It doesn't make sense to me. I mark by words, six months down the road, two years down the road, there will be a monetization of this search engine component. There is I'm an sure. interesting thing that happened to us uh, over, was it, it was last week, actually, um, like on Thursday, I think. Uh, one of my friends, Michelle Lee, who does, uh, who's the evening anchor at, uh, at a Fox station down in North Carolina, she and I were... Uh, we're chatting back and forth. We were doing a little video conference with some other folks and just saying hello and talking about media stuff. And as it turns out, she had only ever, we never became friends on Facebook. We only subscribed to one another. And she had had uh, a, a buddy of ours in the studio with her while she was live. So she said, hey, everybody, take a screenshot for me and, and send me the thing. So I took a screenshot, just kind of cropped it out, and I was going to send it to her. And for some reason, I had Facebook open, so I typed in Michelle Lee and clicked send message, and it said, if you want to send Michelle Lee a message on Facebook, it'll cost you $100. Pardon me? $100. Mm. 
Really? Yeah. Really? I've never seen that come I haven't up. Either. We have uh it's it's on my Facebook wall too. You you're, or you can look at Michelle Lee's. She did a whole thing about it. Then she wrote she did a blog post uh, about this and like Facebook is contacting her and some guy is all like irate like, "Well, that's because you guys weren't friends. It doesn't always cost 100." But uh I mean, it's clearly like Facebook is just they're dying for revenue anywhere and they're testing this. They're testing Wait this. Wait a minute. Um, <clears throat> circle number four, bad automation. Yeah, bad automation. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's an excellent example. Good of that. segue, mm. Ken. Uh, this is a weird story. I don't know if you guys heard about this. CBS removes the hopper from Best in Show Award Contest at CES. The CES is the Consumer Electronics Show. It's a very big show every year out, out in Las Vegas. And CNET, um, the website CNET, that yeah. does a lot of um, blogging and reviews, Reviewed all the things. CNET happens to be owned by CBS. Okay. CBS happens to have arrangements with DirecTV. And the hopper happens to be made by Dish Network. Are we all seeing the... Conflict. The conflict here? So CBS Corporate, the head of CBS Corporate, calls down to CNET writers and says, uh, you need to eliminate the hopper from running. Since we're right now in a lawsuit against Dish TV and that box called The Hopper, because it can fast forward through commercials at 30 seconds a clip. Really? So they mm -hmm. are, so we now, uh, CBS proper is telling CNET that you're going to disqualify them from the CNET awards. Hopper's response was. Um, Hopper's response was. <laughs> Here it comes. A full page New York Times ad and many other newspapers and magazines saying hopper voted best in show at ces asterisk <laughs> and then it goes on to explain what's with the asterisk we're glad you asked <laughs> we were awarded it and then it was taken away from us because cvs proper knows we have a better product blah 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 blah, 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 blah which i think actually Whoa. worked out better for the hopper they did absolutely anything else that they would have All right. gotten out of best of show. So CBS is guilty in Circle One ugly content, and Circle Six misleading messaging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, good point. That's great. That's, that's fascinating. That's, yeah, no, that. definitely fascinating. All right. Well, let's get into the uh, hey the entrepreneurship entrepreneurship discussion. Lead Re the charge on this one, Ken. Please. Lead the charge. It. it it came about because I'm perusing articles online and I see on a compilation site two articles right next to each other. One of them, to change a company you need entrepreneurs from Fast Company magazine. And this next article is seven things that great entrepreneurs do from Inc. magazine. Something and all right. One, you got the two biggest competing entrepreneurial magazines, one on entrepreneurs, one on entrepreneurs, and I'm thinking Wait a minute. Other than the context, what's the difference? So I go through the articles, and truthfully, there isn't a lot of difference between an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur other than the context and the amount of freedom that an entrepreneur has to operate. An entrepreneur, I don't know, though. Would you think an entrepreneur has maybe, he probably doesn't have a little bit more freedom. No. But with, but it has a little bit more resources. A lot more resources. Um, Guy Kiyosaka, who's one of my favorite uh, business love, writers, love him. Yeah. Uh, wrote a blog article way back in 2006 
called The Art of Entrepreneurship. Yeah. And uh, he incorporated a little bit into this in his book, uh, what was that called? The Art of the Start. Yeah. Which was really about um, Great getting, title. getting funding mm -hmm. for uh, startups. Is it a fly in the studio? Is a little, that what that is? A little fly. Or did you just suddenly turn? <laughs> no, just a very little fly. Okay. Um, he has an interesting, he has a couple interesting ideas. Let me run these by you. Kill the cash cows. Uh, this is this is the only acceptable uh, perspective for both entrepreneurs and upper management. Cash cows are wonderful, but they should be milked and killed, not sustained until, no pun intended, the cows come home. Truly brave companies understand that if they don't kill the cash cow, two guys in a garage will do it for them. Yeah. Macintosh killed Apple II. Do you think Apple would be around today if they tried to protect Apple II's cash cow ad infinitum? The cash cow has a shelf life of like a nanosecond. And you do milk it, but you constantly innovate on it. And that's where entrepreneurial thinking works. I agree. Mm -hmm. Kawasaki got it right on on that one. That's, I think, that the, the scariest one. Is that reboot your brain. Who cares about that? What disturbed me, though, in the article and going through the one in Fast Company, most businesses look for entrepreneurs but they look for them in the non-core competency areas of the business. Work the nonprofit sector. Make us more green. Make us sustainable. All important, but it's not core competencies. The entrepreneur isn't given the cash cow and said, "Make uh, kill this thing and get us a new cash cow yeah. that we can develop. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, uh, that to me is disturbing because... I think the biggest obstacle for many, many large companies is the fact that they're large. The fact that they have little entrepreneurial thinking that goes on because most people are attempting to either protect themselves or build a fiefdom or build a kingdom or compete for limited resources or a whole bunch of other political stuff that occurs in big companies. And it's it it's not the kind of environment where you can be wrong. And entrepreneurism is all about being wrong. Entrepreneurism isn't about the smartest idea that's successful coming out of the gate. It's about being wrong a whole bunch of times until you get it right. That's a, again, and knowing, good articulation. Yeah, knowing when you're wrong and staying, that's enough of that, change course. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't know if this was in this article or one of the other ones you, you posted, but there was one about, um, you know, the cycle of a product is in a large company is, you know, you come up with a, a couple ideas and you and you have a little focus group and then you have a couple more ideas and it kind of spawns another little thing. Then you do a little more uh, focus group and then you collect more data. Then you do some market research and then you do blah, 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 and this whole like laundry list of stuff. And finally you ship. Big company think. And, you know, the entrepreneur is supposed to think, you know, this is a really neat idea, and I have faith that I think others will do it. Let me get something out there as quickly as I can. Yeah. And then the world will tell me yeah. what it is. And today. Because I have no problem separating my own self-worth with that of the product. And yeah. I'm just, you know, I, th I think this is a good idea. What do you guys think? And if it comes back at me, I'll just take that lesson. And is it that very essence that you just did a great job describing that attracts the entrepreneur? 
it's that because in my experiences and lots of people I've spoken to over the years, it's one of the hardest things to find. Are An we, entrepreneur? Yes. Well, you know, you have to understand why too. Is that you know we all have, uh, you know, we have kids to feed. Well, you know, it's easy for the guy who's, you know, forty years old, doesn't have a family, and you know, he can take a little bit more risk because if it, you know, if he loses his job, he knows that he just has to start for himself again. If you, if you lose your job and you have, you know, a wife and kids to support, huh? It's not worth the risk. But that's a cultural thing, and that's the reason entrepreneurs are hard to find. And it's mostly because they got, I'll I'll say it in a nice way, they have very poor leadership. Well, that's why I'm saying what Brian just did, he articulated the whole passion of the entrepreneur, seeing the vision, connecting to it. And part of that is it's almost cult-like when you meet someone like that and you pick mm-hmm. up that energy from them. You want to be a part of it. You may not be willing to take the risk. You may not be willing to do all the things that the brazen entrepreneur is willing to do. But if if it is an energy that I want to be a part of, then you're going to bring me in that door. You want to read a great book on entre- entrepreneurship? Pick up Skunk Works by Ben Rich. Cool title. It is all about the product development division arm skunk works of mcdonnell douglas right and the development of the stealth fighter huh and i mean just unbelievable the amount of freedom these folks and engineers and designers had and that's where the leadership comes in if you want entrepreneurship you have to give the whoever is deemed the entrepreneurial world in your business the freedom to be an entrepreneur, the freedom to make mistakes, the freedom to sit there and say, I've got a $1 million budget and I'm going to take 10% of that or a hundred grand on this product launch because I think this is worth it and go and not worry about the focus groups and not worry about the market research, but say, all right, somebody give me money for this. Does this work? And if they give you money for it, tell me why. What did you like about it? What do I have to change to make you give me more? And you do it. That's what entrepreneurs do. They figure out the product as they go along, as you accurately described earlier, Brian. They don't sit on market studies. Right. Doesn't work. Um, Hire infected people. Uh, Kiyosaka says. Infected with what? (laughs) That's the, you know, drink the Kool-Aid sort of thing. He, He... you know, harkens back to how the heck did he ever get a job at Apple? You know, his last job before Apple was schlepping jewelry. Yeah. You know, but he had a passion for it, and that's why they, they hired him, which is really kind of cool. Oh, infected um, with a passion. Right. Got the it. um, This is an interesting one. He said, put the company first. Here's, a, here's your first dose of reality. Entrepreneurs must put the company first, not themselves. Mm-hmm. If you put yourself first... Then quit, raise capital, and start your own company. You got it. If you, as long as you're an employee, you have to do what's right for the company. Admittedly, many of the people that work in the company are not going to want you to kill the cash cow. Mm -hmm. But they just don't get it. You're going to have to do what's right for the company, and that may be killing the cash cow. You can't have it both ways. The security of uh, of existing employment 
and all the ego-boosting riches of entrepreneurship. You can't have both of those. So at the end of the day, you have to deal with the bozo that stood in your way for so many years, might get a lot of the credit yeah. for what you did, but you have to put the company first. Is it still good for the company? If this guy picks up a little like accolades and whatever, forget it. Who cares? Good hmm. for him. Knock um, himself out. The, what I really liked about the two articles juxtaposed against each other, think about an entrepreneur as I read the following quick things to you one they all have a process they trust their gut they have a passion for what they're do what they do they're unusually quick on the uptake they're born problem solvers they've got something to prove and they work their tails off yeah those are the characteristics that make great entrepreneurs that's the article from Inc yeah and you know what's interesting is I find so why don't they cross the line I'm sorry again Brian why don't they why doesn't that entrepreneur then say the heck with him i'm doing this i'm doing it i'm doing it on my own freedom culturally and from a leadership point of view to be able to do it entrepreneurism works if you have brave leadership it does not work if you don't so without that brave leadership involved does that entrepreneur finally say enough of this i'm going to go on my own i'm going to either that or they get bitter okay i think I mean, they they become frustrated. Their talents are not used to the best of their ability. Uh, they're limited in the contribution they can make to the company. And I got to tell you, it's scary leaving a steady paycheck. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we do. Not that I actually have a steady paycheck, <laughs> but I mean, I do. But you know, no, oh, you have a full cash business, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, that lemonade stand. You know, it, well, <laughs> maybe it's a show down the road because I know the clock is ticking here, but it would be really interesting to explore the whole cash cow thing. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I, I'm aware of some businesses that have a location or two that would be characterized as their cash cow. Mm -hmm. So that whole philosophy of killing the cash cow when it has been you know, a flagship location maintains that status in the organization, in the chain of stores. Uh, how, yeah. does that, how does that work there? I want to have that conversation, and instead of killing it, I want to reinvent it. Okay, I like that. We could certainly do that. We could certainly do that. I wanted to say one more thing here, Go. just because it was funny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you think of, like, Skunk Works that has, you know, held on for many, 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 many years um, and has really become its own sort of entity. Uh, Kiyosaka says that if you're an entrepreneur and you've developed this little team to work on your idea or whatever it is, when you're done, you have to dismantle the team. He's right. You can't stay together because then all of a sudden there's politicking within the team. Look what these guys did. I want to get over there with them. No, you got to get rid of it. Everything, um, everything's really, virtual. Yeah. Uh, that is, I think, a really, really, that's, you know, ties in a little bit put the company first yeah because you know you don't want this Definitely. super duper special division which i don't know maybe this works for you know defense helicopters and planes with skunk works but uh they certainly didn't dismantle skunk works when it was done no they just kept reinventing it and putting new blood in yeah which is probably kind of what you have to do yeah all right this was fun definitely you know it always is as it turns out uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us very much. We can't do the show without you or our sponsors. Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwitz & Meyer Jack, Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and Central CT Dental. 
Bluegrassradio.com. Very special thanks to Evan Richards in the chat room, the chat room moderator. We're closing up shop for this week, but we will be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern when we will once again be open for business. Cheers. Cheers.